Hey there, Laker fans. Welcome to another episode of Lake Show Detailed. I am your host, Vinay, with my co-host, Raj. Raj, it has been a while. You have been out of town twice. Yep. Uh since mm-hmm. we've uh you know, since we've last spoke, and a lot of stuff has happened. The <laughs> Lakers are riding a three-game winning streak into the all-star break. Spencer Dinwiddie is fitting in like a glove. Uh, LA native Spencer Dinwiddie, mind you. Uh, Kobe Acolyte Spencer Diddy, mind you, uh, has been fitting in like a glove with the Lakers. Uh, the All Star break has now come and gone with a yawn. I think nobody really cared about anything outside of maybe that Sabrina versus Steph three point shooting contest. Um, but yep. it seemed like most of the action was on Twitter for the reactions uh, uh, to, to All Star weekend. But we are officially done with the midway mark of the NBA season, and the Lakers are about to embark. And Raj, we'll get into it later, but we've already got some LeBron-esque shenanigans that we should probably discuss, which <laughs> I think are funny. Um, but before we get into it, let's hit our small talk. Raj, how are you doing? Are you fully recovered from your week-long trek in Vegas? Oh, man, it's crazy because this this month, uh, it's funny, I was in Vegas for almost two weeks. And the Lakers, I think, Vinay went four and one or yeah. something while I was there. So someone told me just stay there. <laughs> don't, come, <laughs> don't, don't come back. Uh, I was catching a lot of, you know, second half of games, um, tuning in and out, watching the games at some bar as they replay it, telling them to put Spectrum Sportsnet on, which I don't think they get that request no. a lot after the game's done. So they have to go like and find the channel. Um, I also moved within that, which is, yes. which is a wild experience. Congratulations, uh, everybody now. who's in the, everybody who sees this or hears this. Congratulate Raj. Raj is is moving on to adulthood. He moved. He's got a house. <laughs> he's got his own office in the house now. We were just talking yes. about it beforehand. He's moving up, uh, man. Moving on up. Oh, always funny because people sometimes DM me like, "Are you in jail or something?" There is no <laughs> like. It's always a white background in the back. So. It's still a white background. I have not bought posters yet, but I'm very excited. My uh, Amazon office table came in, which I built, which has way more screws than you think it would need. But anyway, got that build. It has plugs and all that. So um, I'm excited to dive back into hoops. But man, yeah, life been, has been crazy busy. I've been in and out of town, Vegas, back and forth around two weeks there, moved into a new place. But uh, yeah, I've been excited to uh, finally dive all the way, all the way back into basketball. How, how have you been, man? How, how are you doing? Your house yeah. is also getting getting some changes, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so so while you've been gallivanting around the world, um, <laughs> enjoying life, buying yourself, a, you know, getting yourself a new house, moving into a great space, I have been displaced from my house. Uh, we are <laughs> about two and a half weeks into our home renovation, so I'm staying at an Airbnb. Uh, so the folks that are going to eventually catch us on Spotify and Apple when they see the video, you're going to notice that my background looks very different um, compared to where I'm normally at. But yeah, you know, the renovation is going along very well. There's a lot of people that are very interested in coming to our house afterwards because of the kind of style mm. and design and stuff that we've done. The folks that follow me on IG already know about the stuff that's going on in my house. But um, it's been very interesting living in a completely different place. You know, um, we got a couple more weeks sure. ago. Think things are progressing. So so we're excited for that. It's going to be it's going to be something that we, we're really looking forward to. So um, it's been good. I've not been able to like keep track of whatever's been going on on Twitter and, and with the NBA outside of Laker <laughs> games. Uh, but I miss this dude. I, I missed, I, there were so many things in my brain. You and I were chatting about this entire yeah. time in the group chat. And I was just like, Oh, we've got to talk about this. Oh, we got to talk about this too. And now we got to talk about this. And now we're finally here. So I'm, I'm excited yes. to do it. So 
So I don't know where we should start, Raj. Um, well, you know, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm just saying. I think we should start here because this is interesting. We can keep this short and sweet. I just, we just went through an All Star weekend that I think everybody hated. I don't. I <laughs> very, there are very few people enjoyed the festivities. Um, I thought it was funny. Giannis, I think before the game started, maybe Giannis is just is just not in as in touch with football, just like I am. I was actually in Vegas for the Super Bowl as well for some just coincidence. But anyway, Giannis said this is our Super Bowl. You know, he's, he called the All-Star Game our Super Bowl, which Crazy. they definitely did not play like it. You mentioned the Sabrina Ionescu and Steph Curry three-point battle. Yeah. What I loved about that is, you know, Dame just won back-to-back three-point contests, and then Steph goes out there and just shits all over it, scores yeah. more points than anyone did in the, in the contest. But we watched the All-Star Game, Vinay, where Luka Doncic obviously didn't care very much in that game. Jokic didn't yeah. care very much in that game. A lot of the players, obviously, just that was a – pickup games type 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 of basketball is there a fix like that's my first question is you don't have to go deep into this but is there any incentive we got the elam ending right which had a nice um nice show during the yeah. the kobe you know year that that he passed and we had some competitive basketball there other than that it's been pretty you know tough games in terms of just competition i i think i told you this on the pod at the time last year shay was asked and it was his first all-star game but this is shay first all-star game you should have you know you know wide eyes and stuff like that they asked shay like why do you think the all-star game is not as competitive competitive and he said well money talks which i thought was just a very strange answer but for you though is there anything you think that can make this game more competitive or is this just what we get is this just the part of the season to, I guess, get competitive playoff games? It's, you kind of have to live through these BS, non-competitive exhibition kind of preseason style. Everyone's just happy, go lucky, and uh, kind of this fake, fake defense. Is there anything to you that that could change this? To change these games? So, so you know, like I, I was, I think the perspective has always been like uh, people want to try and incentivize the players to do more, right? So they did that charity mm-hmm. thing, they did the Elam ending thing. And obviously, like like you said, the Shea thing that you mentioned. And, you know, I, even then, like, th- they got rid of the Elam ending, but they went back to East-West. And I think, like, right. somewhere, somewhere, somebody wrote that the players actually didn't like the Elam ending because they thought it was making it less competitive or something like that, which was crazy because this game was horrendous to watch. Like, right. almost all, all of the game was horrendous to watch. Um, I, so, Raj, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to suggest something very opposite. Instead of incentivizing okay. the players – why not punish them? Why not just be like, mm. hey, just go and ask them and be like, do you want to play in the All-Star game? Or like, do you think you're going to, do you feel like playing in the All-Star game? Like, you'll, it's not like you're going to strip you of your All-Star standing, but do you want to play in the All-Star game? And if the answer is no, like if it's honestly no, uh, and, and I would, if I was a commissioner, I'd like broadcast it out. I'd be like, look, we're going to ask every single All-Star that gets voted into it. Are you, do you want to play in the All-Star game? And if the and, and if you're gonna you know play, are you gonna play like you know competitively? Are you gonna play seriously? And if the answer is no, they can answer that question behind closed doors. The commissioner should just go out there and an- announce an alternate and just say LeBron James is not going to be attending or Luka Doncic. I don't want to say LeBron because I think LeBron would show up, but like like Luka Doncic is not planning on participating. Make up an injury thing and just don't show up and like give it to the next guy. Like announce the next guy as an alternate. Like the, whoever misses the All Star game because of it. Like give them the alt- the alternate all star honor. Let them get on national television and take the game seriously and play it seriously. You know what I mean? Like it, with with what it is, because I think like there's no other way to incentivize it. Like if the players themselves don't care, 
right? Like they're collectively going in all 24 players and they're like, ah, you know what? We don't really care. Maybe a couple of guys, Tyrese Halliburton, because it's in it's in Indiana, he wants to win MVP. Dane, because he's Dane, whatever it is. Like you always get two, three guys that want to compete. But if the other guys don't want to compete, like I, it almost feels like you're insulting my intelligence, like an NBA fan, when you show up and you don't try and you think we can't tell that you're not trying. So it's just like I would rather the commissioner just start doing this thing where he says, okay, if you don't want to play in the All-Star game, but you still want your All-Star standing, which most of these guys do, um, yeah, let me know. And I'll get guys that actually want to compete. And I think that is a form of punishment because I think the fans will see that. And they'll be like, oh, Luca doesn't really want to play. Because if Luca shows up and then he's not trying, that's now everybody's looking at Luca like, why are you stopping somebody else from this position? And I'll give you the example. You remember Chris Paul played, he was injured. I think last season or two seasons ago, he hurt yeah. his hand. And I thought he was going to like, and I think, I want to say Anthony Edwards would have been like the guy that played in that game if Chris Paul had said, you know what, I'm not going to play in the All-Star game because my hand is injured. But Chris Paul ends up playing, I think he plays for like a couple of minutes, like very, very low amount of time because clearly mm-hmm. he doesn't want to injure himself further. But he doesn't want to injure his hand further. But I was just like, why did you play? Like you should have just stayed <laughs> home. And like, you know, imagine the honor for Anthony Edwards or whoever, whoever it was that, that would have been a first-time All-Star. It would have been for them. It's just like, well, we can't get these old guys out of here and we're going to keep the media and the fans are going to keep voting these dudes in like, and, and they're not taking it seriously for whatever reason. And then you get the young guys that do like SGA doesn't care. Luca doesn't care. Yeah. Yikes doesn't care. Just get them out of there, dude. Like, like I don't want to watch them. Give me a competitive game at least on my Sunday night. And so I think that's the direction they should go in. Don't do any more incentives. If you don't want to play, don't show up. Well, there's other guys that want to play on a national stage that like other that they may not get normally, you know, and a lot of people watch the all-star game. So I think that's yeah. what they should do. Yeah. I guess the, the issue with that, I guess I just don't see any player that's going to deny the invitation. Like it's such a badge of honor to be an all-star right? Yeah. to even to be in, to be in uh to be an all-star starter for those guys. I just don't see them. The most disappointing thing to me, Vinay, is the younger guys. Like that's the fire that used to be the competitiveness and you don't mm-hmm. need too many, honestly, to make it a game. I thought Steph actually was like actually trying to be competitive. There was a point in this game. I think I saw this correctly. I, I could be mistaken, but I think when Luca took the, I don't know if you saw it. Luca took like the full court shot. Yeah. The West was starting to like get back in the game. I think they cut it to twelve at this point, and Steph was cooking. Like he was starting to get it going. He was calling for isolations, getting a step back, kind of going mano y mano with uh, with Dame. And then Luca takes this full court heave. And then the East come right back and take a three to put it back to 15. And you can see Steph's face like, what are what are we doing, man? Like, what, yeah. what are we doing? And Carl Anthony Towns, I think, has 50 tonight. Do I have that right? I think St- I think Carl Anthony Towns went for yeah. 50 in this All-Star game. Another meaningless just 50-point game for Carl for Anthony Towns. But, <laughs> but, like, that that's the most disappointing thing to me is the young guys. And my point with that is you don't need too many. There's, you just need a few that take this seriously. And then the competitive yeah. juices start to – transfer over to the other guys right but when you have like this and i think it's transferring over benet into the other games too where you watch the rookie soft well it's not called rookie sophomore i don't know what abomination they've done with that yeah. you know event where it used to be a really it used to be a place where players make their name you had the yeah. the Dion waiters the Dion waiters um i forgot the i'm blanking on the guy he was uh going against at that time but uh Dion waiters was going back and forth yeah um and that clip always kind of resurfaces and it's not just about them two making shots, but it's just like this competitive nature that game used to do where it kind of put Deion Waiters a little bit on the map. 
that's the stuff I miss about the All-Star game. I don't think fans are asking for 80, 48 minutes of lockdown defense, just a little competitiveness. Like, you don't have to give up a layup every single time. Like, it's okay to come over a little bit. I know there's injury concerns and stuff like that, but that's a lot on the All-Star game. I just it's, – it's a disappointing product. 200 points, I guess, is cool. It just – to me, that was a disgusting – performance and it was miserable to watch for fans like yeah. fans like us that actually like hoops and it's it's so like watching Luca like this is so opposite of what he is in games because that dude is right. a competitive mfer right and yeah, like yeah. in any case in any game you watch any regular season game with Luka Doncic yeah he has defensive wards for sure but that dude is a competitive mfer and even he has like obviously that's the culture this has set he comes in with a uh, let me just dribble the ball up bs uh, yeah. you know not try at all when that's so against their game. Jokic the same way. Jokic is a damn killer. And he comes into this, um, you know, fist bumping with Carlton Towns. <laughs> and it's just, it, it's strange. It's, it's a, yeah. it's a strange event, man. But um, yeah, hope, yeah, hopefully I mean, they can, they can fix it. Yeah. I, and I think that's, it's the best solution to, you know, guys that miss the all-star nominations. Uh, honestly, like I, I if, if you mm-hmm. don't want to, like they asked Adam Silver a question. This this would probably be one last. Like, they asked Adam Silver a question about like expanding the All Star rosters from twelve to fifteen because some guys that okay. are you know deservedly should be there they don't make it. Dude, okay, maybe they don't make it to the official rosters. Just do that. Make ask these dudes, ask LeBron, ask these ask these guys. Do they want to play? And if they want, if they don't feel like playing, they don't have to show up for All Star Weekend. They could spend those extra days with their family or whatever you know Cancun wherever they want to go, whatever they want to do. And let the dudes that want really, really want that honor, like they want to be on that stage, to be there. And if it's an alternate guy who's the 13th, 14th, 15th, or 16th player even that was part of the all-star nomination group, that's what you should do. Like let, let those guys play. Like if the objective is competitive basketball that, and, and, and it's optional and, and it's truly optional enrollment or like optional participation, then treat it like that. Just be like, do you want to play? You don't want to play? Okay, I'm going to go down the list and give it to the next guy. You'll still get your all-star status. But this dude's going to be your alternate. And, you know, the NBA public, the NBA audience will react to that the way they want to when guys decide to opt out. But I think that's better for the game. Like, I would rather watch, like I said, a competitive game as opposed to – it doesn't matter to me whether Luca plays or not. I just want to watch a competitive game, even if Luca's not the guy that's making it competitive. And, and we're, we're using Luca as an example because of some of the stuff he did today. But, like – I don't, I'm sure fans just want to watch a good game, you know, like they, they just want to watch a competitive game, not just guys screw around the entire time. And so that, that's my thing. Like if, if Adam Silver is going to have to try and combat this thing where players are too cool to, and I, I understand yeah. the injury concerns, people want to be careful with their, you know, they don't want to go too crazy, but it's like, we, these guys are professional athletes. Like, I think they know that there's like a level of, Hey, I don't want to hurt this guy that they can get to, um, without you know like you know while, while still also being competitive so it's it just stop incentivizing yeah. it. it's like stop enabling the behavior just go in the opposite direction now and give it to the guys that actually want it it, it was funny because reggie miller was on the broadcast and man did reggie miller and kenny smith have a weekend of <laughs> broadcasting quotes that came out from this weekend that i didn't get kenny to catch smith. all of them live <laughs> Did you hear Kenny Smith after after uh, Steph beat Sabrina? Like like uh, him going back and forth with Reggie on the broadcast about like uh, Sabrina and that. Sh- I was just like, bro, this dude is trying to get fired. Like, what is he doing right now? Like, he's like, oh, she's not shooting with this ball and she's not shooting from the men's line and why is she? You know, like yeah. he was like, it was it was a weird tangent he was going on and I, I was watching it. Usually, I you know I I don't like Reggie uh, his commentary at least and Reggie was Sorry. like trying to like 
make it sound not as harsh as it was. It was a very, very bizarre, very bizarre. There was a Draymond interview that I think before the All-Star game where they were discussing like, oh, would Jonathan Kaminga go in and trade hypothetically yeah, for LeBron the... Clay Thompson? And Draymond's like, yeah, you know, well, I talked with Joe Lacob on the phone uh, and, you know, I can assure you that it's if Kaminga. Kaminga was involved, that wouldn't happen. I was like, what are you, what is going on here? Like, dude, you're talking about your teammates. Like, you have to go back and play with them. Well, what's going on here? Like, why are you talking about hypothetical trades for Braun? Isn't that like bad form or whatever? It's, I, it was yeah. such a strange weekend. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's comedy, comedy for sure. Yeah. And then Kenny Smith, the whole dunk contest and three point contest, just basically shitting on the league. I mean, shitting That's on the crazy. judges. The judges were awful during the dunk contest for yeah. sure. But also during the three-point contest, Reggie Miller was trying to hype. Like, do you hear the crowd? Kenny and Kenny goes, uh, the crowd's all right. But do you remember when Vince Carter dunked? Like, what? <laughs> what are we, what are, what are we think, talking I about? Think, that? Yeah, I think Indiana really got to him. Kenny's probably like, it's cold outside. They made me come out here. Now I got to do this. Right. Yeah. No, all respect. No, no disrespect to Indiana, though. For any of the folks sure. who are from Indiana. No disrespect at all. 100%. 100%. Uh, my last thing on the All-Star, it was funny. Reggie Miller was like, I can't believe the East is up with the rosters that the West and East have. And I'm like, we are we have become so far from doing matchups in the All Star yeah. game. Like he's like, oh, the West has has a has AD at the four, and he was saying someone at the East had a small ball four. I'm like Reggie, are you watching this game? None of that matters. This is a back and forth three point contest. But that was kind of the nostalgia of it. Like when you were young, you looked at the All Star uh rosters right of east and west you go oh that's a fun matchup like he might guard him like in in terms of we don't really get this matchup a ton and that's kind of gone out the window with how this has gone um so yeah i, I miss it for sure i feel like the Austrian game used to at least be a little bit more competitive at least in the fourth quarter renee we, at least we used to get like a good fourth quarter um but no this game was uh, entirely just an exhibition match but it's enough yeah. on the all-star game i think that's a, it's a lot of complaining on a event that I feel like just continues to become more and more just a commercial for the NBA to throw, to throw ads on it for, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So that, that's enough on the all-star break uh, and uneventful all-star break. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it moving. So let, let's jump to Lakers basketball, Raj, before we get into the yes. player specific stuff and the news that has been coming out, um, you know, post trade deadline, obviously the Lakers don't make any trades um, on the trade deadline. Uh, which was sort of broadcasted back and forth. You know, it kind of turned to a 50-50 thing. A lot of stuff came out about D'Lo, um, you know, kind of playing himself back into the good graces of the front office. Lakers not wanting to trade Austin Reeves or Rui, all that sort of stuff. That's all water under mm -hmm. the bridge now. Um, and the Lakers go and grab uh, a guy, Spencer Dinwiddie. But before we talk about Spencer Dinwiddie, um, the Lakers have won six of their last seven games going into yep. the all-star break the lone loss i think was the the road loss to houston and um outside of that they've been playing some pretty great basketball over the past 10 games i would say uh even even outside of the past seven games and they really built some momentum going into the all-star break which i which i think would also carry on over a big part of that has been the insertion of rui hachimura into the starting lineup mm. we're taking torian prince out the guy who thought he was irreplaceable in the lineup Obviously, this is a little combined with, you know, the, the Vando injury and him potentially being out yeah. for a long period of time. So the Lakers decide to go big. They go with Rui. Um, the Lakers are winning basketball. They're winning those minutes at the start of games uh, with, with Braun and AD. Um, and they're winning a lot of those first quarters. Granted, some of those teams are not that great. Detroit, um, one of those teams that uh, that we're talking about. But they've had some really great wins against good teams. Um, talk to me about what you feel about, like, 
what your thoughts are on just the momentum and just kind of how that's tied to to the, the, this insertion of Rui into the lineup. Yeah, I think it's helped a ton. I think we've kind of, I think both of us have said the like Austin and Delos played great. I think this is a big part of it as well. I think Delos a good barometer for where the team's at just in terms of culturally how they feel. Um, I went. Uh, I don't think we spoke since Delo and AD kind of had their podcast. It's clear those mm. two are like pretty close, right? In terms of just how they communicate on the floor. I think his play has doubled on to the Rui insertion in the lineup as well. We moved Torian to the bench. Obviously, Dinwiddie's come in. I think Austin has found his role as well. But I think the team is just starting to coalesce. This is the lineup that I know. I you know I was kind of advocating for Vando to start, and then you know the next up was Rui to start, and I think we're starting to see you put big physical dudes next to LeBron and AD and you're able to kind of cater and make up for what D'Lo and Austin bring as well. And I feel like the balance of the team has really come forth. Torian has started to play better coming off the bench. He's been able to score, but Rui being more involved as well. Vinay, he's cutting a ton. Mm -hmm. I feel like his defensive presence has been there. And I've always said with him, you have to kind of involve him in a place, right? You have to have him be involved. You have to run stuff for him. And I feel like we've started to do that. A lot of our offense sometimes is, we just clear the floor for him and he's able to, you know, uh, post up. He's able to cut. He's able to get to his spots. He's taking, you know, a lot more spot up threes as well. He had a career high, I believe, 35, career high mm -hmm. or season high or a Laker high, one of those um, in Utah to get yeah. a win uh, without LeBron as well, right? You always call Rui the natural LeBron sub and, you know, he mm -hmm. filled right in and was able to put up points for them. Austin and D'Lo, I thought, have really started to find their themselves offensively. Austin as a playmaker. I think, Vinay, we have like four guys averaging almost 20 and six the last, you know, the last yep. seven games. AD, LeBron, D'Lo, and Austin have all started to really coalesce, and they've started to find their spots within the five-out offense. And I think the main point here is AD's playmaking, Vinay. I think that just shoots your offense to a different level. Like, hit, that just shoots the gap in your floor to a different level to where now when AD's a playmaker and you have all these guys who can score around him, I think the offense is getting – uh, is much better than it was before. And the defense is never going to be perfect. I think when you play this many small guards, when you have, you're going to play a lot more three guard lineups, which, you know, we'll get into Dinwiddie a little bit later in terms of how he's fit into that. But I feel like, you know, AD's played really well. He stepped up his offensive game. Rui has filled in. Touring off the bench just makes more sense. I feel like he yeah. comes in and has a much nicer, fulfilled role. D'Lo's been cooking, shooting absurd from three. Obviously, I don't think that three point shooting is all the way real. Let's we'll see, see how it you know, how it translates to the second half of the season. But, but I think the passing is real. I think the playmaking is real. I think the reads, him and Rui have a nice, you know, pick and roll connection. Um, AD and, you know, D'Lo have really found themselves in terms of their pick and roll combination. AD at the top of the key playmaking. I just, the offense looks like what we kind of envisioned to start the year. And I think the defense is catching up. AD still having his deep defensive player of the year type of performance. The Lakers are going to have to go up a little bit for him to get there. But, Seven and one, I believe you said, or six and one in the last seven. Uh, it's all started with that just unlikely win in Boston. Remember that yep. one? Both LeBron and AD both sit, and it was kind of a, a Stu Lance just calls this like a freedom game where like there's no pressure. And I yep. thought that really got a lot of our guys going, especially Austin. I thought Austin was able to just kind of cool himself and not have too much pressure and just come off ball screens and be like, this is what I do. I put up baskets and the Vando injury. It's funny because all our wings getting hurt, and they have kind of backed us into this corner mm -hmm. of playing huge. I love what Jackson Hayes, I'm going on a lot of places here, but I love what yeah. Jackson Hayes also has become, like in terms of a pick and roll guy that you just throw next to our guards. And 
just a lob threat that where, you know, you, you see AD as a lob threat, but he's more of kind of a mid-range, you know, uh, master where he kind of sits in that mid-area of the free throw line trying to maneuver to the rim. Jackson Hayes is just like throw it up anywhere, and yeah. I'm going to go and try to get it. And there's some lackadaisical um, Jackson McGee stuff that happens, but that dude plays hard, man. That dude has a yeah. motor. It's not always smart. It's not always – he's not always in the right place. Um, but I've just enjoyed the, like, motor of the team, and uh, I think they're playing well, man. What, what, what are you seeing so far? Yeah, you know, uh, I think the thing that stands out the most is 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 obviously Rui's production, but it's really how his production is coming about. A lot of it is not mm. just – like the Utah game, he had a ton of threes, but a lot of it has been all the interior attacking he's been doing. Yeah. The Lakers are – it's like two things. It's one, his shot selection is close to the paint, and he's deliberately mm. trying to get to the rim as much as possible, either through the post, um, like a low post, low post setup, or, you know, in, in the mid-range and then work his way to the rim and, and try to finish over guys that are not as strong as him. That's one thing. That's that's on him specifically that that's improved. And obviously his three ball has been going down. The second thing is that the, the Lakers as a team in the first quarter of these games are trying to find him as much as possible, it feels like. Every single half-court sequence almost entirely involves Rui getting set up for, for a shot. Um, and... That is far and away much more different than what the Lakers have done all season. Like, you know, typically we would think that like LeBron or AD would be the guys that you set the pace. But, you know, there were some spots here uh, along the season where like LeBron was kind of doing that and when AD was doing that. And then you could you could see that this season they were trying to get Austin and D'Lo unlocked a little bit more and have them be the guys who set the tone offensively for the rest of the team. And they had some up and down situations too as well um, with them. But now they've kind of switched over to Rui being the guy because he's like, you know, we said it before. If you're not going to use Rui for offense, there's no point in having him on the floor. And this is sort of that idea of, hey, play more purposeful basketball. Don't play, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm just throwing a lineup out there and hopefully they figure it all out. No, if you're going to play a guy in that position, then use him to to his strengths. And um, they're playing Rui. They're starting Rui. And so as a result of that, they're trying to feed him early. And he's basically rewarding mm. the team by scoring, like, in bunches. And I feel like the Utah game, we saw it. Uh, I feel like the Detroit game, we saw it. And I feel like so many of the games prior, like, we have seen that basically every time Rui starts off well in the first quarter, the offense is in rhythm. Like, you, you see, like, the rest of the guys kind of fall into place where they need to. Um, and, and you know, like, Austin playing off the ball, Dilo facilitating, even if he's not – like. Dilo hasn't been scoring a ton, I would say, the past couple of games, but his facilitating has been fantastic. Like he's been finding teammates left and right, pushing the pace, pressing the right buttons, all that sort of stuff. So I think that, first and foremost, I think that is one of the biggest differences um, that, that we've seen um, with this team uh, when it comes to that. Did you did you have another thought on the? Yeah, the- yeah. So like just just on the Rui thing, what what's great is you know teams teams like to switch a lot, you know, against mm-hmm. us because they just like you know LeBron and you pick and rolls and you kind of switch that you kind of live with your big wing guarding D'Lo, your big wing guarding Austin, right? Kind of let them contain them off the dribble. Rui's kind of a switch beater in terms of like, that's mm-hmm. your, you know, few that you can go to. Utah did this a lot, right? Where they had like Jordan Clarkson and Colin mm-hmm. Sexton out there. They just play a lot of small guards. I think Keontae George was one of those. Well, I don't remember if he played that game, but um, they have a lot of small guards out there. And Rui's just like, you can't put a small guard on me. Yeah. Like even with no LeBron, even with LeBron out, you can't switch these small guards. I'm going right through you. And I just loved his – remember earlier in the year, Renee, we were watching Rui, and we were saying, this is a guy that's confused about his role. He's unsure of when he gets the ball, am I supposed to score? Am I supposed to move it? 
what am mm-hmm. I supposed to do? And they've made, you know, these selections very clear. When Rui gets the basketball, they clear the side. It's it, yep. it, it entirely clear. It. They let him attack one-on-one. If he gets a double, he's able to kick it out. But they let him kind of run through guys. And I love that he hasn't – he obviously loves that little mid-range pull-up, but I love that he hasn't settled. He's going to the rim. Yeah. He's getting to the free-throw line. He's trying to dunk on guys. like, And, he, and yeah. his cutting is – so much better is like relationship with D'Lo and Austin in terms of his cuts have been fantastic. Um, the Lakers run, you know, you talk about this, the Lakers run 80 post-ups and we've really fixed our spacing around that where if you double AD and AD has gotten better with this as well, but teams used to have been a do like the Cardinal sin on AD where they double off the cutter and AD mm. just wasn't sometimes able to find that he's hitting that guy every time now. So like when Rui throws the post entry, to AD, Rui cuts off of it, and AD finds him. He's getting dunked. He's getting to the line. So the offense is just moving a lot better. And to your point, I think D'Lo and Austin have, have been part of that as well. Just the team's in a, in the right direction. You know, we got some LeBron, LeBron news today. We'll get into later, which hopefully he plays on um, Thursday whenever they you know whenever they play. But yeah. I think the team's in a good spot. LeBron has missed some games going into the All Star game, which was expected. They were like second nights of back to backs and stuff like that. And those are the games really we lost. I believe the Houston game, um, and I believe the Denver game as well was one of those where yeah. I think D'Lo was D'Lo was out the Denver game, so we were shorthanded yeah. there. But um, the team's coalescing, man. It feels like Rui starting has kind of unlocked a lot of things. And if you hear the post game, Benet, you don't really usually hear players be just this um, like outward about it. But they asked Rui, you know, what's going right for the team, and he said, uh, "We're just doing what we did <laughs> last year, and it's yeah. it's working." Yeah, very simplistic. But I think he's right. I think this is kind of the, you know, construction of the team that this was built around. We talk about this all the time. You know, you gave Rui $17 million a year, which is, you know, not a shortcut to, to start and play these type of minutes. And I think he's starting to kind of find his rhythm and the team is as well. So they're kind of, they're clicking, clicking at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. And then I think you, the, the other thing I was to say is you touched on it, but the Jackson Hayes minutes that we've been getting have been yes. really, really great. Like, I, I think it's actually as probably an underrated part of what's been going on. Like they've been getting some real solid stability out of um, not even just like from a rim protection standpoint, from like the defensive rebounding, he crashes the glass uh, or he'll yeah. cut to the rim off of the off, you know, like when the, when the low man goes to go challenge, whoever the, the ball handler it is, if it's D'Lo or Austin or whoever, like he's, cr- he's cutting from those corners uh, and he's getting dunks. He had a really nice dunk, like a double pump dunk against the jazz. I want to say off of a cut. Uh, a baseline cut that he did, uh, I think, with like marketing or somebody went to go up. He's kind of, I don't want to say he's being used like Vando because that's not what it is, but he's got like mobility and length the same way Vando mm. does. Obviously, he can't chase guys around screens, doesn't have the defensive ability like that. But when you play him on a guy like marketing when marketing is playing like the four or the floor spacing four, it's better to have him yeah. on marketing because marketing's not really a guy who's going to beat you with a live dribble and you can play him on a guy like that. So I think, I think the usage of, um, him and just the the minutes that we've been getting out of him, um, the production we've been getting out of him has been really, really good. Um, so I, yeah. I definitely don't want that to be uh, understated. Go ahead. I was going to just touch on the Jackson Hayes thing. I think, you know, we um, interviewers all or reporters always ask Anthony Davis, and he's been very clear he wants to play power forward, and you know, that gets thrown through mm-hmm. a lot of through lines. But I think what it does, and I think we've, again, I think we've backed him in this corner because of everyone who's been injured, who's been out, the guard, obviously Gabe Vincent's injury, Vander, Vanderbilt's injury, somehow Max Christie has also hurt. All of our wings and our guards just have gone down at the same time. 
and then we've returned to a lot of like two man line two big lineups yeah um and i think they've, they've worked out really well and i like I, I mentioned i mentioned this earlier i just when i watch jackson hayes i see so much of what javel mcgee was just yeah. a guy who's kind of misunderstood as a player like i, I think guys like mcgee and hayes are you know, kind of looked at what they don't do, right? And just that's the lens that they're looked through. And then I'm saying they're yeah. they're great players or anything like that. Just when you evaluate players of that of that nature, you kind of look at what they don't do. But you talked about the motor. You talked about him attacking offensive rebounding. I love he raises. I've said this with other players, but he raises our athletic floor as well. Yeah. I think we have a I very agree. low you know athletic floor when when we're fully healthy. Sometimes with the guards that we play, and he just raises that. He attacks the rim with a a force and a veracity that you just can't really expect AD to do in a, you know, 82 game grind or LeBron to do with an 82 game grind. But you throw that guy in a pick and roll, Vinay, and he rolls hard. He also screens every single time because he knows that's the only way he's getting the ball. And he runs the floor. So many times I'm watching these games where teams have to, teams have to, um, they have to allocate resources to him when he's running in transition. That's a guy Mm -hmm. you have to get, you have to move forces to. And, he opens up three-point shooters, and he will run hard every single time. So that's another part that I'd love, his mix as well with Dinwiddie. Them two have had a really nice connection, you know, since Dinwiddie. We'll talk about him a little, a little bit later, but I loved him with D'Lo as well. It's just a guy that you can throw the ball to and then let AD kind of work his way, especially with AD's jumper returning and his passing kind of elevating over this these last few games uh, or this season. I like Jackson Hayes. I like Christian Wood when it's as well next to those guys. I think we've kind of backed, in, backed right back into this too big, Mm-hmm. Being more bigger physical type of lineups, um, and hopefully Bando can return this season. But yeah, you're right. I love the Jackson Hayes kind of re-entrance into the lineup, and it looks like he's kind of figured stuff out. He's not going to be probably a playoff player or someone you rely on heavily. Yeah, just players that players in an 82 game grind like those are important. Those are those are important type of players that you need to to get to the play playoffs healthy. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Um, there's probably a few other smaller things that we could probably cover. Um, you know, obviously like dealers facilitation, mm-hmm. Austin's three, like Austin is in some crazy offensive groove right now with some of the stuff yeah. that he's been, that he's been doing on the floor, you know, so they've been doing well. Um, again, like you mentioned, 80s passing has been pretty spectacular. He just seems more and more, he's really turning into the guy that we thought we, we wanted him to be like, as a, as a guy you mm-hmm. can play through in different ways, especially with, and, and really, I think. I would say any Laker fan that's like invested in AD success, it's that the only gap between that, the, the main obstacle that happened with AD was he was just, wasn't a good enough passer. And like, he's doing mm-hmm. it, you know, out of the post, like you said, he's hitting those double teams. They're letting him bring the ball up more off of rebounds. Like they're not forcing the ball out of his hands and forcing him to get to spots. He's throwing, he's, he's making passes in transition to open teammates, cutting teammates, that sort of thing. So it's a, a lot of different things that, that have gone to it, but you know, the, the, the big notable thing, even though we didn't do anything at the trade deadline, the big notable thing was this uh, sweepstakes for Spencer Dinwiddie um, mm. that happened. And, you know, obviously there was a noise about him attending the, the Dallas-New York game. Uh, and then obviously the very next day he attends the, the Laker game. I think we were playing Detroit maybe, uh, or maybe it was before that. Yeah. We, we were playing um, and, uh, you know, Spencer's sitting with Rob and that, that was very um, notable. There's a lot of like back and forth reporting. Some people were saying, He's coming to LA. Some people that are, are saying, you know, some people are like, no, no, you know, now it looks like he's going to Dallas. And then everything was kind of sort of over the air. So before we get into the Spencer stuff, I want to give credit to this guy because um, because he deserves it. Uh, he's a friend of the pod, uh, MGrads. Um, uh, he's <laughs> on Twitter. He's been here for a long time. Uh, he was one of the guys that like 
said that Spencer's going to come to LA. He's from LA, he played at Taft. Mm. He knows him, that sort of thing. Uh, and I, I would say he was probably one of the lone guys who was beefing with like the entire Mavs fan base on Twitter, telling them that he's going to come, you know, he's Spencer's going to come to LA. So I want to give him credit because I know that's important um, in this space to be the guy that's right when, when that kind of news breaks. And I think he was the one who was on top of it majority of the time. So grads, congrats. You were right. Um, and you should take your victory lap because I know he doesn't get, get to do that. People don't give him his flowers when he should. So grad, grad said, you know, Spencer's coming here. Spencer ends up signing with LA. Lots of stories about him. You know, the, the, the videos come out about Spencer being like a big Kobe guy and idolizing Kobe. And, and, and obviously he's an LA native. Um, but there was a lot of conversation, you know, Darvin Ham was mm -hmm. asked the question and I, and I swear to God, Raj, and we, we, I say this lovingly, but I know the LA media folks know they're setting Darvin Ham up when they ask him questions like, do you see yourself playing three guard lineups? Knowing three guard lineups <laughs> is a trigger word. for They know what they're doing. Laker fan. It's like, <laughs> I know they know that what they're doing. And, you know, they asked Darvin Ham, you know, you guys got Spencer Dinwiddie. How do you see him involved? Do you see, do you think that he could be in a three guard lineup? And obviously, Darvin Ham, like he just like, you know, he sees the chum in the water, the blood in the water. He's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go for it. And it feels like he's been trolling us a lot this season with some of his quotes. But oh yeah, um, you know, he says, you know, I could see, I can envision a situation where both all three of those guys are playing together, um, talking to Austin, D'Lo, and, and Spencer, um, and maybe even closing games together. Um, I don't buy that. I don't think that's what's gonna happen unless it's a very small ball lineup like a Warriors esque, you know, Pods, yeah. Steph. And like Clay, all three at the same time. I, I you know, I, I don't really see it, but um, you know, they, they'll probably play all three of them together. Uh, and I think they have uh, in, in some of the games since Spencer's on, been on board. But we add Spencer to the team, and Spencer has turned into this guy who is a reliable backup ball handler, backup point guard. Mm -hmm. He obviously is very, very capable of starting uh, on on a lot of different teams in this league. But he's a very high IQ player. Um, he has, and 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 this is one of my favorite things I like about him. He is confident with a live dribble with either hand. He can attack you on, on either angle, your right or your left. And Spencer is one of those guys who is, is actually a sneaky good athlete. People, he just doesn't look like it, but he's a really good athlete. And similar to what you said about like Jackson Hayes, he's adding an athletic profile to this team on top of his actual basketball skill and his, yeah. and his IQ. He's adding an athletic profile to this team that this team doesn't have out of their backcourt right now. And nope. he stepped into this role where he's setting up his teammates, the running pick and roll, and he's doing everything right. He is, uh, you know, he's made some contested threes, which have been great to see. He's made some off of like Delo's passes, but he's attacking, attacking the rim or sorry, he's attacking the paint, throwing skip passes to open shooters, throwing lobs to Anthony Davis, throwing lobs to Jackson Hayes, creating plays and possessions for his other. So, He's been really, really great in that, in the, in, in all these different things. That so t t talk to me about like what you like, what, what your yeah. impressions of him through, through these first kind of three games, I would say, uh, ha have been of Spencer. Yeah. So you talked about him kind of raising the kind of floor in terms of the skill at our guard position and, and doing things our guard doesn't do. But hey, he just, he just raises our talent floor. Like you've got him for nothing. Right. And he raises just the talent on the team, I think I just underestimated just what replacing, and I love Max Christie. I think, you know, I think he should play when we're healthy and all that. But going from Max Christie to Spencer Dinwiddie as your back, one of your backup guards is a huge jump in terms of ball handling, in terms of skill, in terms of being able to, to attack the basket with, you know, with a live dribble. 
he's our best downhill attacking guard, and I don't think it's close, right? D'Lo and Austin do it from a jump shooting perspective, and Austin will attack the rim, of course, but Spencer Dinwiddie drives with a level of force. Um, he gets to the line as well. I was thinking about him as our Gabe Vincent replacement, Vinay, but mm. I, I think he's more our um, Dennis Schroeder replacement, you know, like mm. from last year. So when, I, when you know, Darvin Ham was, was asked about the three-guard lineups, and you know, I, you know, I do think he plans to play. They played eight minutes so far in two games, the three guards, they're plus whatever, but, I mean, it's a, it's a small sample, so, so it doesn't matter. But I think last year, you know, people forget, we closed with a lot of three-guard lineups. We also, mm-hmm. you know, played, Spence, uh, played uh, Schroeder over – D'Angelo Russell, and I think Spencer Dinwiddie fits kind of that in terms of he's a better offensive player than Dennis Schroeder. I think Dennis has a defensive kind of acumen over him, but Spencer is a better shooter. He's a better off off the bounce shooter. He's a forty percent three point shooter from the corners. He's a high volume shooter as well. He's had success, playoff success, just as much as Gabe Vincent. I would argue in terms of his playoff success in Dallas in, in that Western Conference run, next to another high level playmaker as well. Um, I think Dinwiddie is an awesome kind of fit for that backcourt. And just when you go from no backup point guard or lineups for Austin Reeves as your main backup guard, Renee, to Spencer Dinwiddie as a guy you can run secondary action for, it just mm-hmm. changes your whole lineup. I think he's kind of boosted Austin as well to where Austin can just be a scorer. And what I watch from Dinwiddie is he's just a NBA guard in terms of he know he makes the right play. When he drives, he understands where the help's coming from. When he drives baseline, he knows his kickouts to the corner. He understands when he's coming coming off pick and roll. When a guy tags, this is my pass here. If a guy tags here, my my read is here. It's just like it's very yeah. standard NBA experience knowledge that you just can't get to without the years of experience that he's had. And he's fit in like a glove. He's played really well. I think getting him for nothing was, you know, was awesome. And again, it just raised our talent well i'm excited to see what he can do and he's he's obviously ran pick and rolls now with ad them two have had a nice relationship talked about jackson hayes earlier as well he's an off the bounce pull up jump shooter in a way that we don't have either where um him and like he just does it differently than like d and austin do um it's, it's interesting to see when when lebron gets back how they kind of coalesce but i've enjoyed it man i don't like don't i don't know where this leads to you talked about dinwiddie being an la guy i mean i'm, I'm sure he is also, I'm sure he's going to take the biggest contract that's offered. Oh, for sure. Summer, for sure. So, yeah. so, but I love that we've talked about this before, Vinay, where every new player that comes to the Lakers just absolutely hits Laker fans' hearts in a way. You know what I mean? They just know. Yeah. I'll think about this one. Uh, and it was a lovely thing. I mean, did Woody and they had the picture with his family in and, you know, he yeah. had the whole, you know, the being from L.A. thing. I just love that every guy that comes in just knows exactly – boom, I got him. Like, you know, like I got, I got him. Like I hit him right, you know, where, you know, where I can, but uh, no, it's been, it's been great. I think he's a, it's a real fit uh, for the roster. And I think he's boosted both D'Lo and, and, you know, D'Lo actually also broke the news. M-Grads obviously had it, but. Yeah. yeah, Of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. D'Lo broke the news in the press conference, which, which is funny to watch as well. But I think he's helped both those guys games and you had another pick and roll distributor. um, But it's, it's looked great uh, so, so far. So we'll see. What do you, what what else have you seen from, from Dan Woody? Yeah, no, I, I, he's his like that specific part of him just being the ball handler and being the guy who can mm-hmm. kind of basically attack attack the paint without having to use a screen. Like that's just something we don't have. You know, like I would say that D'Lo and Austin are crafty kind of uh, mm-hmm. basketball players with the ball, but they're not. They can't beat you with the first step. Um, and right. 
that is a very important quality to have. Like at some point, like Dennis was our first step guy, honestly, last season. Like he was yep. the guy that you could get Absolutely. the ball to use fast enough to beat you right off the hip without a screen. And, uh, you know, now we have that in Spencer. He's much more, he's bigger. He's much more physical. Um, I could actually, Raj, I would say that we actually haven't gotten the full Spencer Dinwiddie, like the value out of him because we actually, you know, he's still playing a little restrained within the offense. I think Laker mm. fans are going to find out exactly how good he is when we actually play a team that tries to force us into ISO ball. Like when we play mm. a team that's like, you know, like an OKC team that's like, oh no, we're going to switch everything, right? Or a Houston team, like we're going to switch everything. And I think that when when we run into a team like that in this postseason and Spencer's on the floor, I think that's when you're really going to see how good he actually is because he is a guy who can beat a one-on-one matchup with a live dribble. He, he's not going to call for the screen. He'll just beat them right off the hip. And that's something that he was doing in Dallas. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why Dallas upset um, uh, their matchup um, in, in the playoffs with him uh, on there. So it's just – I think the small things he's really good at already complement the things that they're good at. And I think you pointed out mm-hmm. to it, like – how he helps Austin. Austin can just focus on scoring now. He can go and use the screens that his teammates set for him. Go watch the Utah game. Like, they start the game off, and then I, I think D'Lo was part of both possessions. I think Spencer may have been on the floor for one of them, but the back cut that Austin gets off that D'Lo, that, that really nice D'Lo bounce pass back cut, that's a layup. There's another play at the start of the game where D'Lo, where Austin gets to – I think he uses AD screen and gets set up on, like, this – this. he's like – it's like a running start, like a full running start yeah. DHL handoff. And he gets this really nice reverse finish over, I want to say Walker Kessler or something like that, over, over Walker Kessler. And it's just like, that's awesome. Don't let, like, we don't want Austin to lose his legs trying to dance around with guys. Like, we want to get him on the move because he has a great touch and, 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 you know, he can draw fouls and stuff like that. So it, it's just, I think Spencer's just going to add to that. It's going to take the possessions where Torian Prince is trying to go off the ball and slot him more into a corner three shooter. But uh, Spencer's found him for threes. Jackson Hayes yeah. becomes more useful. And look, people have talked about D'Lo and Spencer playing together. Spencer's also played with Christian Wood before on Dallas. So he they're familiar with, with each other's game too as well. Um, and I, I don't want to say this in a negative way, but um, I, so I remember just for the folks who are junkies like us, like I remember watching Spencer. Um, I scouted him a while back for a very different reason. But uh, Spencer, uh, I watched Spencer and D'Lo played together on the Nets, the year that they made it to the playoffs. I think that was the year that D'Lo was an all-star. And right. they played Philadelphia, I think, in the first round. And that was the Philadelphia team that had Ben Simmons still on it and Joel on it. And, um, that, you know, that series wasn't going to be close. Um, it was going to favor the Sixers. But the Nets were like this plucky upstart team that, you know, maybe could steal a game or two. And D'Lo starts off that series really well. Um, and then the Sixers switched the, the assignments and they put Ben Simmons on D'Lo. And sort mm-hmm. of what happened with this Denver series where the physicality kind of overwhelmed D'Lo to the point where, you know, he was ineffective. That sort of happened with Ben Simmons and D'Lo in that Nets series. And the counter to that, that I think Jacques Vaughn may have been the coach at the time, if I remember correctly. It might have been Atkinson, actually. Um, but yeah, the counter it was Kenny to Atkinson. That, yeah, it was Atkinson. The, the counter to that was to give the ball to Spencer and Karis LeVert, two guys that were physical guys that – could play through the physicality that the Sixers were playing with. And it, it didn't result in the, com- the series completely flipping, but it resulted in the series being more competitive um, in some of those minutes. And, you know, you had like that famous Jared Dudley thing of yeah. between Ben Simmons, that mean that happened. Mm-hmm. I think there's a part of this um, where the Lakers see Spencer and they see, look, we, Delo's here. We have him for the rest of the season. We're happy he's successful. 
But just in case we run into this situation again in the playoffs, they have another guy that they can possibly go to. You know, that's not Austin uh, that they can go to, that, to 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 help alleviate some of the burden. Because Dilo can be effective as an off-ball shooter for sure. Sure. So uh, now you have two options. You have Austin that can play off the Spencer and Dilo that can play off the Spencer. But I think that's a core thing that they were able to address with this, aside from everything that Spencer's brought so far. Go for it. Yeah, no, for sure. And also, I think, like, just, I don't know about the physicality stuff that that will, you know, return again. We'll, we'll see. You know, Dilo has spoken about he's trying to get better at that. But what is going to happen is cold shooting nights. That's just stuff that happens mm-hmm. between Dilo and Austin. I think just having a guard that has a counter to that is so helpful. Dinwiddie's a guy that's going to, like I said, pressure the rim. He's a guy on switches, Vinay, that doesn't just settle for step-back threes as well. He's, he's going to attack your top foot. He's going to get to the rim. He, he has dump-off passes. Um, you, talk, you talked about the uh, lob to the lobs to AD as well. He just has a nice overall offensive package game, and he's not a star either. But um, the point you're making about Brooklyn made me think about the Dallas time as well, right? Because I remember that Phoenix series. Phoenix just was like, F it. We're sending two at Luka mm-hmm. right away. I think even in game seven, I believe they were doing this. I remember Dinwiddie had a huge game seven um, on the road to just embarrass that that Suns team, which kind of led to, you know, Chris Paul being kicked off and whatever. But Dinwiddie was awesome that game. Lucas started off hot. I think they started to send two, and Dinwiddie just started raining threes on them. And that was kind of the end of uh, that, you know, that's that Suns era. Last thing also, I think, you know, the D'Lo Austin and Torian has kind of been plastered everywhere, right? Most I think yeah. it's been kind of spoken on. I think the issue with that isn't just – they're small, which that is obviously an issue in terms of the size next to LeBron AD. The also thing is their skills don't complement one another and right. or they don't stack on top of each other, right? So they're yeah. all kind of doing similar things. I think if you have three guys that, that can at least attack a closeout, I think that helps a ton um, where you're yeah. just not relying on Torian threes or D-Lo threes or Austin threes. You're able to throw a guard in there that's able to attack the basket and the pressure the rim in one-on-one situations, right? When teams switch, like you talked about, it, it's tough. Where are you, you, where are you attacking from? Where's your entry point into the defense? Is it an AD post up? Is it a LeBron ISO? Is it an Austin ISO? A D-Lo ISO? I think Dinwiddie just gives you another option there as well. And Dinwiddie's not a star, or anything like that. I just think his, his skill sets have proven that he's a helpful playoff player. I mean, he plays high minutes on playoff teams. He's a, he's yeah. a really you know high minute you know high leverage guy that teams have closed with and. He's kind of he kind of wore his welcome out in Brooklyn. I think it's an interesting, fascinating thing to look at where he probably looked around and he was kind of given this role. I don't I'm losing track who their coach is currently, um, but he was kind of given this role in terms of you're our off the bounce guy, even though, you know, Mikhail Bridges is their star and Cam Johnson mm-hmm. is the guy they traded, you know, KD for. Denwitty was kind of their point of uh point of, you know, scoring guard and uh it that didn't work out because Denwitty's just not good enough to be your main ball handler but he's a guy that can definitely attack as a secondary third option so i think it's nice i think dinwiddie's been a nice fit he's played two games or three games so far and i believe the lakers have won both so the dinwiddie era is off to a great start yeah. um we'll we'll see how it goes going forward but i've loved the fit so far and it's it's been a nice compliment to get him for free as has been has been great yeah no absolutely i i think you know once they get some more practices in and, and they get even more reps in i think the break will be helpful mm-hmm. film sessions will be helpful um, and, you know, I think, you know, on, on the last part of like some of the Lakers stuff, um, before we talk a little bit about Trey and then, then we'll talk about the, the days of LeBron stuff, news of, that, that's been coming out every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing I have on the Laker thing is, is like, I think this is, you know, we obviously we don't want injuries and we don't want to root for injuries. Uh, I don't think any fan wants to do that. You want a fully healthy team. 
But I think this is going to at least give us an opportunity or give him an opportunity. I hope he, I hope everybody on the staff sees it. Like now you should be able to look at guys like Gabe, Cam, and Vando and deploy them as defensive specialists. There should be no confusion now about how you deploy those guys within your lineups. If you're playing against teams that have like guys that, you know, or, or, you know, not teams, but like lineups within a game where you know that a team is just going to go ISO heavy, right? Like Kawhi is going to get the ball for the next 20 possessions. Like that's when you deploy a guy like Vando right now, you know, like assuming he comes back and he's healthy. Like I think the Lakers have some really nice balance right now with what they're getting out of their team offensively and defensively. Um, and obviously, you know, there can be cold shooting games, so it doesn't mean that this, what's happening right now doesn't mean it's always going to happen. Right. But I think there is a part of this where you can say, okay, look, I don't have to rush Cam back into this lineup. I don't have to find him t- 20 minutes right off that. You know, you and I both want to see Max play, but it's also the same thing for Max. Like, Max doesn't have to be forced yeah. into these lineups immediately. Um, maybe you have a 12, 15-point lead. You're, you're scrounging up some minutes for Max. That's totally fine. Same thing for Vandos. But I think, like, this is an opportunity for him to, like, see what you have out of these guys. And don't – don't um, if it's not broken, don't try and fix it. No, don't try and force minutes. Talk to your guys. Tell them, look, we know you're healthy or, you know, we know you're back. We know you want to play. Uh, there will be a time and place to get that. And, and honestly, Roger, I think there will be. Like in, in the playoffs, some of those Sorry. defensive specialist guys, like I know people are like, oh, you just can't play Vando in the playoffs. I don't think that's true. I think there are certain lineups against bench groups where teams will play guys where it's like one real offensive score and four guys that are just like three and D guys. That's the time you want to play a guy like Vando. Like you play Dallas. Go throw him on Luca. Like play him on Luca. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's that's the right time to do it. And so I think this is a really good opportunity for the the you know aside from the players for the coaching staff to look at the, the what they have in front of them and say okay look this works. These guys are responding to each other. They're responding to to the way that we're playing them in a positive manner. I don't need to mess it up. I just need to deploy these guys with with very very specific purposes. And I think it's no surprise that the three guys. Um, well, Gabe hasn't played all season, but two mm-hmm. of those guys, Vando and Cam, being out, forcing the Lakers to play bigger, has resulted in more success for them. And I, and I hope Cam approaches it that way after the break. Me too, for sure. And you know, this is I think our first pod since the trade deadline. If I yeah, have that, it might be you know, yeah. Per, um, how there two things? I nothing against him at all. Banana's not personal or nothing. It's just I don't need to see Gabe Vincent on injury reports <laughs> or. Yeah, we, or we know he's sitting yeah. on the bench. Yeah, I just, I, I just don't. You know, I hope, I hope he gets back. I hope he gets healthy. I'm just not, you know, holding my breath on on Gabe Vincent. I just, I feel like it's gonna be a tough year, um, for him to return. Number two, I'm like, I, I think I was in kind of a minority. I was, you know, I've, obviously Dejounte Murray. I, I liked him a lot, and we're gonna talk about his teammate in here in a second. But you know, I'm kind of glad how it worked out. Honestly, I, I think it was very clear, um, just from the reporting that's come out that, uh. Atlanta was just not ready to do a real business no. deal currently in terms of how they were yeah. operating. Yeah. So they were just, you know, in terms of what they were asking for. So I'm kind of glad that, you know, the Lakers were stood pat in terms of what they had and kind of understood their, the value of players they, they got. And my guy, Jalen Hachifino is still on the team. Very yeah. happy. So I'm going to go <laughs> see him play soon. And look, he may be, I'm, I'm tired of every time I tweet JHS, they respond with a different city that he'll be in next year. That's fine. Like that's, that's okay. Like you can, you can do that to me all you want, but I, you know, I get a couple more. South Bay continues to have games, and I'll you know be there to kind of cover it and 
cover our first first round pick Vinay, i don't think people realize this but in a very long time jhs is one of our you know first round picks that we drafted that played for us um i believe since lonzo or, or one of those you know high draft picks so um it's been fun to kind of cover him so those are the two things that i'm talking i know most people wanted a deal and i totally understand that it's just it takes two to tango and i feel like we you know, just didn't have that partner in terms of the star trade. And I'm, that's not excusing them not doing anything, which I think yeah. you know, that's part of the uh, frustration, as, frustration as well when you watch guys go for second-round picks and stuff like that. Just I'm just speaking on DeJounte stuff. I think the Lakers saw their team, and they realized a lot of the problems are inside our own home, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, like, that's the first place you got to fix before you go, you know, fix your roof. You got to make sure your, you know, water's not leaking in and stuff like that into your yeah. own home. So, um, like, I, I'm just kind of glad how it worked out. And the D-Lo contract is what it is. And that's obviously a stipulation that they decided just wasn't worth moving on. But um, I'm glad they stood ground, at least at least on that. So just, that's my closing thoughts on the trade deadline and all that. There were some pieces moved. thought Dallas had a great deadline. Other teams did some stuff. But uh, kind of like where the team's at. I think they're in a, they're in a nice groove. And, you know, this sets up, Vinay, in my opinion, LeBron and AD to kick a gear, at least. They got a nice, yeah. you know, eight, nine days, you know, off in terms of, that game, I'm not even counting really. So, like, they got yeah, a nice um, rest here, and, and hopefully, they're they're able to kick off a uh, a really nice second half of the season for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm with you, bro. And um, I mean, I think I think that's a great segue. Uh, talking about the Dejounte non-trade with the Lakers, uh, that that Atlanta non-trade with the Lakers. It's a nice segue into directly, you know, the the news that's just come out in the past couple of days that um, you know, Atlanta is the. The initial report that came out, and I think it was Howard Beck that reported it, um, was that mm. a lot of GMs that were having conversations with Atlanta came away with the impression that Atlanta was going to eventually trade trade Young. Um, and it, then I think a second person, Mark Stein or somebody, reported it to as well. And then all the guys that pretend to have sources basically saw two reputable guys say that. And then they were like, oh, yeah, I've also heard that Trey Young is going to get traded. Um, I won't name who that person was, uh, but we've seen some of the folks that uh, bigger bigger Twitter accounts start doing stuff. Um, but obviously, the Lakers are going to be linked to Trey Young. Um, you know, there was a lot made about uh, there was a lot made about you know the Lakers holding on to three first round picks for a guy potentially like Donovan Mitchell, and I would say that Trey Young is one of those guys who's in that class too as well. And I think Yovan um, kind of came out um, uh, writer for the LA for the Athletic. I think he kind of wrote something where he said the Lakers would be interested in a guy like Trey Young should he become available um, in that sort of situation. So now we've shifted from, and I think they've also said Atlanta still may trade DeJounte. They may not trade and they may revisit it. Uh, I would, yeah, I have some fairly good confidence that if it's three first rounders on the table, the Lakers are going to ask for Trey Young. They're not going to ask for DeJounte Murray. Um, I, um, I think the Lakers probably will revisit that. Obviously the three star model is not something that I think you and I find appealing at all. Um, but the mm-hmm. Lakers are in a very unique situation. I would say this is like the first first time where the Lakers have actively tried to build a roster that complements AD more than it complements LeBron. And I think right now everything that's been pitched has been more like, hey, we're trying to bridge the gap. And I think that's the idea with a guy like Trey Young or DeJounte Murray, that we want to bridge the gap between LeBron and AD, but I would say that we've already started moving in that direction. Now we have Austin Reeves, ball handler, Elo, ball handler, Spencer Dinwiddie, ball handler, Rui Hachimura, you know, flat out scorer, Torian Prince, three and D guy. I would say, like, if you didn't have a guy like LeBron on this team, you could kind of see what this team would look like. You know, construction would be like. Obviously, 
bronze and max contract guy, you would try to get back, you know, like a um, somebody of equal, you know, higher higher value um, that that can help complement with AD. But um, the Lakers are thinking about that, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, honestly, right now, I I'm a big fan of Trey. The dude's a walking 30-10 guy. He he is also super small. He is a defensive liability, um, just because you know teams can pick on him by size. Uh, so so mm-hmm. I understand that. I don't want to get into like the very specific basketball stuff, but I think his perception around the league um, has uh, been I don't know why, but it's like it's very down. A lot of people are down on him, which is strange because his basketball talent is so high. Um, and you know maybe he rubs people the wrong way or whatever it is, but sure. he is. So this is this is the reason why I think he would, if he had to choose, right? Like if if he had to choose what mm. team you want, we go to you. You go to LA. So um, and this is, uh, I some of this is sourced. So I, I'll put it that way. Um, Trey is is a competitive dude, like very competitive, uh, and sure. he wants to win. Um, and I think that rubs some people the wrong way, um, and. Some people are not like that. Some people are intense. Some people aren't intense. But I think one of the things that's really pissed off Trey is that every single year, he's one of the top vote getters from fan voting. Like the fans vote for Trey every single year to be an all-star. But every single year, the media and the players votes always have him like as like the, like one of the lowest ranked backcourt players in the East. And I think that's probably pissing off his camp. And they're like, okay, well, if we're not going to get respect from the media in Atlanta, then we're going to go somewhere where we do get respect. Now, I'm not saying Trey would ask out, but I'm saying I could see a motivation for a guy like him where he's like, mm. I'm one of the best guards in the league. I can't make the All-NBA team because you guys will vote in old-ass Chris Paul, even though Devin Booker probably should have gotten that spot instead of him two years ago when they made it to the final or before they made it to the finals that season that they had. They gave it to Chris Paul. Trey Young misses it again. And like one year, Brad Beal made it, and they were not a good team. But he was like the scoring chance, so he made third mm-hmm. All NBA, and then Trey didn't make it. And then obviously, like I said, it's like thirty and ten. He's like he's been really good this year. And I was, I think, I had some Atlanta fans have said that he's been really giving effort, at least attempting to give effort on, on right. the defense. So I think like that kind of stuff adds up for a guy like him. Right. And I think if he was motivated to leave, um, that would be his motivation. Why it's not because he like hates the Hawks or he hates like his teammates. It's more like I'm not going to get my just due here. Like that—that's just one of those things. And I think people hate that. I think I—I I, I would hate that if I was a fan of the Hawks that, that he'd have to leave for that. But that's also the truth. Like Trey's not going to make an All NBA. They're not having a great season. But like even him making an All Star is suspect because the media right. didn't really want him there. The coaches didn't want him there. The fans really wanted him there. So is he going to go to LA? I don't know. But. Could I see him being motivated to go to LA for that very reason to kind of be like an F you to like everybody else who votes against him? hundred percent can see that. happen. I think LA would embrace him with open arms. But what are your thoughts on those rumors that, that you've been hearing so far? So, so yeah, I always wonder guys like that. I mean, to me, it's no shock when any guys like that ruffle feathers and yeah. I just, he's a six one skinny guard. There's a, uh, I don't say this anyway, demeaningly, or, you know, as criticism, there's, there's just a Napoleon complex you have to have yeah, to get have to, to that level as, as to become Trey freaking young, where, uh, him and Luca basically walked in as leaders of their basketball teams at, you know, whatever age they were. And that's just that's to, to do that. You have to, some, you have some level of 
self-confidence and like just some selfishness that has to be within you to, to get to that point. And again, this is not negative criticism at all. I just, I think that's what he has. I think Trey Young's a amazing offensive basketball player. I think he's an offensive engine of himself. And, you know, there's this flirting going around with him and the Spurs and him and the Lakers. Those have kind of been the two teams. And there was some videos of All-Star Weekend of him and Wemby having uh, fruitful conversations. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and the, body, say, the body language, positive body language yeah, to each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, Katie and Kyrie, I think, started it where All-Star Weekend is yeah. kind of the first uh, date for, like, star players in terms of getting to know each other and just feeling out how it would be to play, you know, play basketball together. And I think him and Wemby – He's had some glowing responses about Wemby as well. I think it's so fascinating. But hey, I'm torn. Like, I really like the depth model. And I think a lot of this depends on what LeBron James, like his motivations for next yeah. season. I think that's the huge, you know, kind of window with this. With this, You talked about bridging the gap, but I feel that that's where you really get in trouble with things. When you try to yeah. bridge, you're no longer in a destination. You are walking somewhere. Right? So you are bridging a gap. You are no longer... You have not picked a destination. I feel like the yeah. Lakers are still in this spot. And Trey Young does bridge that beautifully. He's 25 years old. Again, you, you mentioned the numbers, 30 and 12. Just a walking basket, one of the best floaters in the league. Like he's just a, he's an unguardable um, like weapon. And you pair that with Anthony Davis, that's an absolute weapon of an offense. I do worry about a guard that's 6-1. I think the three first-round picks is interesting. I think him and Donovan Mitchell is an interesting kind of comparison as well. Um, I just think like if you're throwing three first, you hopefully don't have to also throw Austin Reeves or just, you know, you don't have to throw mm. more filler into there. I think those are conversations that need to be had. I would love to, you know, keep Austin on this team as well. But it's, it's a fascinating thing. I, I don't think, uh, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure Trey Young's on the table this summer. We'll see. But it's a really interesting kind of conversation of just basketball wise. This is the guy that you believe can lead your franchise the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. You trade for Trey Young. That's what it is. I think he's already on his max deal on the two hundred million dollar yeah. deal that whichever it is that was given to him and he earned um, from the Hawks. Again, beautiful pick and roll player. Uh, concerns about a six one guard. No matter who you get back, it's just your team. I guess development at that time is going to be tough to pair him with another high level two way guard. Just the way that your team is built, you'll still have probably Vando and Rui on the roster. But um, yeah, it's interesting. I think you know that's a place that the Lakers will look to. He has the clutch connections as well. That's a place that's going to get a lot of um, buzz over, over the summer, but uh, it does feel like that's something that's a conversation that's going to be happening, but I'm torn. But I'm not, I'm not sure. Like I, I like Trey young a lot. I'm not sure if I would just throw the house of cards at it. Um, yeah. I would definitely look for, look into it. I think Trey's worth at least that he's worth at least giving conversation and saying, Hey, sure. I have this, I have these assets to offer. These are picks when LeBron James is well retired. These are extremely valuable, you know, draft equity. You mm-hmm. are not getting this most likely from any Trey, like you spoke about, Trey rubs a lot of people the wrong way, including other teams. He's a yeah. guy that's very polarizing around the league. He's either a he's he's either a absolute star or fake stats. Like yeah. it's it's very tough to find in between conversation on Trey Young. Oh, he's yeah. either, yeah. you know, one of the best, you know, guard creators in the league, and he's a masterful passer too, which I think he doesn't yeah. get enough credit for in terms of how he's operated. He's turned Clint Capella and and Okongu into just he's kind of revived Clint Capella's career. Like he's yeah. kind of been down and he's, he's reintegrated him into like pick and roll basketball and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it's interesting to to go back at it and, and I hope the Lakers do their due diligence on it. But um, where are you at? Are you kind of on the fence? Are you kind of in this? Not to put you on the spot, but just yeah. in terms of this 
the, are you ready to kind of throw the house? I know you're a big Trey Young fan. Have been. Oh uh, yeah, I, am. I, I see you pushing uh, <laughs> Trey propaganda every every year. Um, it's not just you; as a few, but you and uh, our friend um, Justin at a LA, LA Clipper film and the other yeah, guy yeah, yeah. Uh, as well. That, you know, so they they both kind of push this Trey Young stuff, which I think is great. I don't think I think Trey Young gets kind of thrown in the bus a lot for stuff that Atlanta has done wrong, really. Um, yeah. They've kind of paired him with a lot of difficult situations. But uh, where, where are you at in this in this conversation? Is, it, is this a, uh, a gun that you would shoot in terms of, like, you would you would go for this? I, I So in a vacuum, if I could trade if I could trade for Trey Young and it only cost me three first-round picks and, like, mm. let's say it cost me, like, D'Lo and Rui. No, let's say D'Lo opts mm. in because he wants his bird rides to, to whatever team he goes to. I would do it because, but, but the biggest caveat is mm. I would only do it if I know that this front office has learned from their mistakes when they tried to do three max salaries the, first, the previous time. Like you, I need to know that you guys know that you can't be lazy with the defensive guys or the, the in-between guys that you're going to add. Like I, you guys can't be lazy and just be like, yeah, we're going to kick the tires on Trevor Ariza type of guy. You know, like some guys way past it. And I get it. You know, sometimes you only get those kind of guys at the veteran minimum. But, like, I need to know that they've learned that. Now, there is an avenue, Raj, because I've done the math behind this already, salary cap-wise, where they can get a guy like Trey Young and mm -hmm. only have to give up, like, the two biggest salaries. You know, there, there is a version of this where they could potentially keep Austin Reeves. Um, and and, and mm -hmm. it's like D'Lo and Rui are the two main salaries going out because they make a lot to themselves that still allows us to hold on to a guy like max christie it still allows us to hold on to a guy like vando if those guys come back healthy do i have more confidence in adding a guy like trey young to our team if we can hold on to guys that we know that can be proven even, even cam reddish was you know kind of been uh, a, a nice uh defensive specialist guy for us um that gives me more confidence in the team in adding a guy like trey young and then being able to play with those guys um but if we're going to be like, oh no, we've got to trade Max also, we got to trade Austin also, and then we got to trade like JHS and the picks and D'Lo, and maybe we hold on to Rui. Like now, I'm starting to get a little worried because I'm like, okay, mm. I think a lot of those guys that did all the dirty work that we need, mind you, remember Braun is going to be 41 next year, which means that he's going to do even less of that dirty work that we expect out of him, uh, rightfully so because of his age and how many years he's played. Like. That's what begins to concern me. So that that's my stance on it. In a vacuum, would I want him? Absolutely. But the cost of what it costs to get him and whether our front office can be competent enough to fill the gaps that they miss out on, right, if they do something like that, um, is also really, really important to me. So, uh, But, yes, I am a Trey Young propaganda pusher. <laughs> um, I have, you know, and to, to be fully transparent, um, it wasn't because of a basketball reason, but I've been able to moderate a discussion like I, I moderated like a discussion where I talked to his dad and um, it was mm. actually right after the Knicks series when, when Atlanta upset the Knicks. Mm. And I remember like his dad's a super nice guy. So obviously now people know and is super biased when it comes to Trey Ray Young, I believe. Is yeah, Ray, yeah, Ray for Young. And I remember I asked him a question. I said, you know, like your son went to New York and he's like shushing the Knicks crowd. And he's like, mm. You know, he's the smallest guy on the floor, but he has such a big personality. He's trying to take on like a whole city, um, you know, as he reps Atlanta. I was just like, how does how does that like how does he do that? Like, how does that pressure not get to him? And I thought there was something really cool that he said. He said that my son's always been the smallest player his entire life. He's always been the smallest player on the floor. So he always mm -hmm. knows that he's the underdog in the situation, no matter where he is. 
And I thought that was a really great answer that he gave because I was like, okay, now it makes sense why a guy like him can go into New York, which is, you know, I would say as pressure packed as, as, you know, uh, crypto or staples is with their fans can win a game, can, can hit daggers. He can go to a place like Boston and hit game winners against a, a Boston team in, in the playoff series. He can do it against a team like Philly. He can go. I forgot what he put up in in the finals. He had like a like a huge game in, in I think game one or something like that uh, of the oh, finals yeah. against or Eastern Conference Finals against the Bucks. They beat Milwaukee, like, I believe, game one. Yeah, yeah they beat Milwaukee yeah. game one. Like like you see why he rises to the occasion in those sort of situations. So it's like getting that kind of backdrop. And this might be like new to the folks that are that are listening to this. You know, as they listen to it, like that kind of insight is kind of, it gives you like an idea of what that psyche is. Like this is a kid that lives for the big moment. So, you know, obviously Laker fans were always worried. We had a star, you know, the Russ experience didn't go that well. How is he going to respond to uh, adversity? How is he going to respond to this? And I think like, he's, you know, he's a kid that, that, that does that um, too as well. And uh, that's why I'm always high on him. Uh, and, and, and um, you know, I'm, I'm high on him just from basketball ability and, and that sort of thing. So that's, that's like my personal pitch. I guess it's yeah. talking aloud, you know, mm-hmm. I think he's a great player. Again, the timeline works. He's 25 sure. years old. He's really young. I mean, obviously you make this move. You're basically committing to him and AD, you know, you're going to say, okay, sure. these are the two guys they're going to carry in um, or, or usher along the new, new era of Lakers. Like, but honestly, Raj, we don't know. You know, I, I think the most difficult thing, and we could discuss this at another time, but like the thing that the Lakers are unable to manage, and this might be a good segue into the, the LeBron segment of this pod. Like, they don't know what LeBron's going to do. They don't know if he's going to retire two years from now, if he's going to play till he's 45, till he's 50. Obviously, that's not, I don't think he's going to play that long. But that's up to LeBron. And sure. whether LeBron wants to play with the Lakers, and that's been a thing, right? Like that when we get into the LeBron segment, we might as well talk about it, like this thing about like, oh, does LeBron want to stay with the Lakers? Does he want to go with somebody else? Or does he want to go play where Bronny's going to play? Like that's been a thing, but LeBron has earned the equity in his life to be able to do that. He's a free agent. He can do it whenever he wants when he's an unrestricted free agent. But that's also something that the Lakers don't really have foresight into. Like LeBron's not telling them, hey, look, 2026, I'm out. Like I'm I'm going to go find out where Bronny is. I'm going to go play there. Like he's backtracked some of those statements too as well. And so the Lakers have to operate as if, okay, we're going to, we have Anthony Davis, multi-year extension. He's locked in with us. We've got all these other guys, great contracts, great productive flow players. How do we help Anthony Davis out? And I think there's a lot of people, there are subsections of our fan base. I won't say what subsections they are that are unhappy with that. And I don't think it's fair to, I I, I honestly think it's the right thing that the front office is doing because you, if you can't, you can't keep like you have a star there and the Anthony Davis is, you know, this season showing he's going to be healthy, make the improvements. Try to pair him with that. I think LeBron is so good of a player that it doesn't matter who he plays with. Like if he's there, he's sure. gonna find a way to Very work. Very malleable. With, yeah, uh, work with like a Trey Young AD combo. If those two guys are gonna be the ones that take all the shots, and I think Bron this year has shown that he knows exactly how to pick his spots. Maybe he'll coast through three quarters and take over in the fourth. Maybe he'll do his ha- he'll do his heavy heavy damage in the third quarter so he can sit out the fourth quarter. He knows who he is. He knows what his body is and that sort of thing. And I think the Lakers have to operate as if. Like he's on his sure. own timeline, and he'll let them know when when he what he wants to do and when he wants to go through that. So that that this morphed into the uh, Braun discussion. But that, that's where I feel <laughs> well, like look, about Trey Young and and, and just but, adding any guy. 
Donovan Mitchell, so, any, anybody of that, that level of talent for sure. Yeah, and before you know, divulging into the LeBron LeBron stuff, just just with um, Trey Young, and again, not to throw cold water on that because I think Trey Young and also part of this that I wrestle with Benet because I I do wrestle with it. I think um, guys like Trey Young just don't become available. They just don't at 25 years old. Like yeah. those guys just don't hit the market. Um, those guys usually stay with their team to a point where you know you're you're unable to really reach that type of player at you know at the slate like. Luca's just not going to be available, right? At any time going forward right. in the next eight, nine years, he just—he's just not. The money's going to be absolutely ridiculous to the point where he's not going to. People talked about is Luca going to turn down? He's about to get Vinay, not to divulge this into money, but Luca's about to get like a three-year, three hundred, like some million or some Something crazy extension yeah. from Dallas that he's not turning down. I, I'm, I can break that news now. I'm not a reporter, but I can tell you, Luca's not turning yeah. down his, his Dallas extension that's coming up. So Trey Young, guys like that just don't become available. Why I keep bringing up LeBron? This is one of the warts on Trey Young is like his off ball movie. He's just not an off ball player. And that, yeah. and honestly, I get it. Like Steph Curry is people want Trey Young to be Steph Curry. He's not Steph Curry. Like they just they operate in a completely different universe of world. There there is no Steph Curry in my opinion. There will never be another Steph Curry. I think that's just a one on one. That doesn't mean Trey Young's a bad player. It's just that just means expecting Trey Young to fly around eighty player screens. It's just not. It's just not who Trey Young is. Like he's gonna mm-hmm. want the ball. He's going to want him to run, pick, and roll. And I think LeBron's kind of rolling that. And he's very malleable. He's a guy. But I think pairing LeBron with another guy who's just doesn't very – Trey Young's a great spot-up shooter. But, mm-hmm. you know, what will happen a lot of times, Trey Young has a lot of <clears throat> some of the James Harden stuff where he gives up the ball and then just stays at that spot no matter how far it is and where that is in terms of the spacing. And that stuff can be worked out. That, that can get better. And I think Trey Young's also a guy that – is a not a product of his environment but when he doesn't respect the environment he kind of loses some of it you know and i i think a lot of that happened in atlanta where some there was a lot of unserious stuff going on in terms of i think it was their previous coach kind of like leaked some news about a practice that trey young didn't show up to or a game that trey young didn't show up to and kind of lost some of the respect in terms of that but uh, no trey young is a fantastic offensive threat honestly if it was three first round picks and that you didn't i didn't have to give up any player of like real value isn't the right terms, but where it's just contracts trading, um, I think I would I'd probably do that. I just don't think you're getting a player of Trey Young's caliber of, like anytime soon. And one of my conspiracies is that, you know, Clutch wants to deliver another star to LA. I just, I, again, I don't cook in the conspiracy kitchen very much. I stay outside yeah. of it. I, I stay in the other room where, you know, just the hoops happen and I watch that. But I, I do think like Clutch wants to, deliver another star and he's a guy that they'd love to get in a bigger market um he's a guy that i feel like has outgrown atlanta just in terms of his size and all that so so we'll see with trey young but he's a beautiful yeah. offensive basketball player i do have concerns of a 6-1 guard in many playoff series i think trey young's been you know pretty good in the playoff series he's been there's some where some games where the just when you're a 6-1 guard that has to create every shot it gets tough it just does it is. Um, so i think it that's is. The, that's one of my concerns with him i think the defensive stuff is very widely known i do think his effort has been better he's getting more steals but again though when you're six one it's there's just not much you can do when there's a switch i do think the gap between him and d'angelo russell and austin reeves is just not spoken about enough in terms of yeah. what that would do for your for no offense to any both of those guys but you trey young's like an all-star caliber type of guard that you would bring in in terms of as a creator so it's a very interesting conversation i I'm not sure like he's a guy that you just automatically throw the house for, but you definitely cut some pieces off to give off. Like Trey Young's that 
freaking good. He's a 30 and 10 guy walking with no all-star next to him. Uh, like I yeah. think in that series, right against Philly, he didn't have a single all-star next to him, uh, I believe. And I don't, yeah, I don't think that don't season think there was, they, they had another all-star on that team. Mm. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. He tore them apart. He tore Milwaukee apart, I believe for the first few games before I forgot who got injured in that series for them. Um, their wing that they drafted, who's kind of struggled now, but he had a great play. DeAndre. DeAndre yes, yes, DeAndre Hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember if he's still on the team, but yeah, like I, I remember he got hurt. Or, yeah, he got hurt or something during. Oh, that oh, he is Raj because because we went to Atlanta and he hadn't played any games, but magically his yes. knee completely healed and he was able to start <laughs> against us or something like that. And then he right, went right, right, right back to the to the injury report the very next game. Surprising yes, how yes. that works. Uh, right. but, but, I'm, you know what one thing I want to also Roger I appreciate you a lot because you'll say some of this stuff and I know you're going to get a completely different response from the timeline because people love you and they don't like me <laughs> um, but you saying that Clutch wants to get another you know another client to LA uh, and I'm mm-hmm. so glad that you said that because when I say that people get very upset at me and tell me that I'm pushing <laughs> agendas uh, like and they, they tell oh you're just trying to say that Braun runs the front no I'm not saying that I'm saying that there is a vested interest in both parties, both the Lakers and Clutch, to to work together uh, to, to land their clients. Like I don't think Cam Reddish ending up on the Lakers or Lonnie Walker <laughs> ending up on the Lakers or Kendrick Nunn ending up on the Lakers. I don't think that's happenstance. I don't, you know, and and if you want to get not, press, not, yeah, on, yeah, or, or Rich Paul or whoever it is, I, I frankly look as a Laker fan, I don't care who gets the credit. I just want to see winning basketball. That's really, that's really sure. all I care about. So I'm glad that you said that. Um, I think that would be. That news, should it happen, would be a very hilarious shot across the bow from all the people who are saying that they hope Clutch leaves the Lakers altogether. Um, and I, I think that would, I mean, it would make me laugh. But um, I, I think there's also a reality of the situation without getting too much into the politics of it is that people need to actually go look what up the Clutch client list actually is outside of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like their biggest marquee client is Trey Young. Like mm. Trey Young is clutch's biggest clients they had a guy in anthony edwards who switched he's no longer with clutch they had a guy like og ananobi who is no longer with clutch he's with caa that's why he ended up with the knicks so the so clutch and it's not an anti-clutch thing but the fact that clutch is trying to get their marquee clients and i would say Dejounte is another marquee client for them the fact that they're trying to get their marquee clients to la sort of gives you an idea that there is no beef between the two eight to the two groups Lakers front office and and um, you know LeBron and Clutch and, and Rich Paul, they're on the same page. It's more like they have to find the right time, the right opportunity to do that without just you know pulling the trigger every single time somebody feels you know upset about something and whatnot. And I would say the best example of this is, is a great example. A news story broke a couple of days ago uh, about the Golden State Warriors reaching out to the Lakers, and I think it was reported mm. by ESPN reaching out to Lakers. Um, and it wasn't the Lakers. It was the owner of the Warriors, Joe Lacob, reaching mm. out to Genie Bus directly and asking if LeBron James was interested, you know, like if, if the Lakers were looking to move LeBron James. And um, this was, I guess, the, the genesis or, or the, the origin that, that started it, the, the match that lit the forest on fire was LeBron James's hourglass tweet, uh, which the Twitter timeline was running with it, like, oh, LeBron's going to be out and all that sort of stuff. And there's people taking these weird victory laps. Like, yeah, Braun's finally turning the screws to the Lakers. And then the story comes out. I mean, the very next day, Rich Paul comes out publicly and says, no, LeBron's not asking for a trade out of the Lakers, and the Lakers are not trading LeBron. That should have killed the story then. 
but obviously it doesn't because people because people want to do what they do. And then the story comes out from ESPN that the Warriors had inquired and the Sixers had inquired. Daryl Morey had inquired, um, and they were refuted. Rob Polinka went so as went so far as to say, "Was well, Joel Embiid available?" Since you're asking about LeBron, and I've got you on the phone. Anyway, it's just kind of like a counterattack by Rob. But Jeannie Buss tells Joe Lake uh, in that story, no, we're not trading LeBron. We have no interest in trading him at all. But she does turn around and say, but you should ask LeBron about that yourself. Or you should ask Rich Paul about that yourself. And so I think that prompts the Warriors to go, somebody in the Warriors brass to go in and reach out to Rich Paul. Uh, and, and he ends up refuting the same thing. It goes so far as Draymond Green reaches out uh, in that reported story and, and asks um, Rich Paul to convince LeBron to come to the Warriors. Now, I don't partake in the Warriors-Lakers beef. I know our fan base is beef. Uh, there's this whole thing I know with one of the guys on Lakers Twitter that he uh, records their playbacks or he records their, their mm-hmm. spaces and, and does some really hilarious highlights. I, I think it's, I forgot what his name is, but he, he does. I think Slim job. Sleepers. Yeah, Slim he does a great something. job. I love his highlights. I watch yeah. him all the time. No, he's, he's uh, awesome. It's definitely it's definitely funny, um, but so I don't want to participate in that. But I thought that was interesting, Raj. I thought it was interesting that front offices called our front office off the strength of a single tweet for our owner to turn around and be like, mm, "No, we're not interested." But you should go talk to him. Like maybe he feels differently about it, and he just hasn't told us. And I think that's an important thing to understand because there's this there's been this idea that people have been pushing that the Lakers are trying to push LeBron out. Like they're trying to encourage him to leave the Lakers. And I, I think you and I have both said, I don't think that's what's happening. Like, I don't think like they're trying to get rid of LeBron or, or usher him out the door or, or put him in a situation where he wants to leave. Um, and I think this was a, that, that whole story and that those two days of things that happened really kind of concentrated what that conflict was that, that yeah. I think the Lakers fan base is happening. And I think it gave a clear distinction. I think LeBron came out again today um, in, in pregame media and said, I've been happy with my six years with the Lakers and I hope it mm-hmm. continues to be that way. And yep. And Rich Paul has done like a media tour on this whole thing too, as well. So talk to me about like the, these few days, just like, just what was your mind? When, when it comes uh, to my favorite part of that story, which, you know, you didn't mention, um, I think Daryl Morey got involved because of, yeah. of course he did. <laughs> yes. I forgot what he mentioned, but Rob turned it around him and asked him if Embiid was available, which yeah. is just great. I, I love it. I, love wrote, it. I think yeah. McTen wrote that. Uh, David Winneman wrote that story, and he wrote it because there's no sarcastic font, but I just feel like that should have been written in pure sarcastic font yeah. with Polinka asking Daryl Morey, um, is Joel Embiid available? And uh, it, that I, I, I quickly ended I, I couldn't be a GM, bro. Like, I, I think I've said it before. Like, I, I don't know if I could work for a front office because if I ever did, like, my response on that phone call would be like, what the fuck? Like, oh, wait, is Joel Embiid available? <laughs> like, why are you asking if LeBron's available? Like, I, I don't think I could be professional in that conversation, ask that question seriously. But, yeah, go, go, no, go. No, 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 for sure. But I think, you know, you brought up how, you know, LeBron's not in, I don't think you were saying this regrettingly against LeBron, but how LeBron's not kind of informing the Lakers, hey, I'll be done in 2026. Yeah. You know, I'll be out during that time. I just think, Vinay, we're in an unprecedented time where I don't even think LeBron knows how long he's going to play. Maybe he does. Maybe he's that, you know, cynical or not not cynical, but maybe he's just that far ahead. I just I don't think he is. I, I've, I've told you this before, but I really think he, you know, he thought he, we were beating Denver last season and mm-hmm. he thought we were winning the title, which, you know, LeBron gets that far. That's usually what happens. Um, and I 
honestly, uh, people are saying he's going to go off of a very big retirement tour, which he might. Like that's probably in the cards. But I do think he there was a like small percentage chance where he could have just been done. Like you win and come out on top. I think there was a world where that. I do believe there's a universe where you know that could have happened. I, my all, I say all that to say I just don't think he knows what's going to happen. That's a tough place to kind of do business from. There's no other team that operates from that point unless your yeah. star is a pending free agent which you know free agency just doesn't happening um just doesn't happen that much as often anymore so we'll, we'll see what lebron does i like i do think there's a clutch in lakers partnership and like it's common sense i mean it, you talked about it. it's not coincidence that all of our mle signings are clutch clients yeah. it's not a coincidence that all of our minimum signings are clutch clients even trevor reza i believe was clutch at the time that he signed with us at 37 years old or whatever he was those are not coincidence this is the absolute partnership and it's a partnership that's been fruitful in my opinion for both sides started with the kcp right kcp was like the first lebron domino that fell um and then it was the clarkson trade jordan clarkson also clutch by the way so like there's a there's a lot of like through lines and ties here and i think it has been you know i think it's a relationship it's a partnership it's a communication with, with both those parts. And I, I do think part of this is offering another star in LA. Why? Because that, it gives them attention. It brings attention. It, there's more endorsements in LA than there is in Atlanta. There's more, all that type of stuff kind of grows. Um, we'll see, you know, we'll see what LeBron does. I do think that was fascinating. I do think Draymond speaking about it is strange. Bringing up Jonathan Kaminga's name. I do think them just mm. talking about it publicly is, is extremely strange behavior. I do think is absolutely nasty of the Warriors being the lower seed, asking for LeBron James. That just doesn't doesn't <laughs> yeah. sit right in my soul. They're the ten seed asking the, or eleven seed asking the nine seed for their star player. It's just, it's yeah. it's all very mucky business, and it also tells me Joe Lacob is just running around the room with his head on fire trying to figure out what to yeah. do. I just I like, I will say this. Uh, I don't I don't yeah. know if Warrior fans are listening to this, or maybe they already know this. Draymond has some serious like. I don't think Warrior, there might be Warrior fans who know this, might be ones that don't know this, but Draymond has real cachet within that organization. Like a lot of people have been saying that Draymond mm. can make that transition to media very easily, and he certainly can because he has a personality if he wants to go on NBA, on TNT or whatever it is. But there's also a world where Draymond can move very seamlessly into their front office and take like an executive position. Like I don't mm. think, like from what I've heard from folks who write, were the writers in in that area as well as from like i've heard from players too as well and, and people who've been around that organization like joe lake talks to draymond as if he is a like an assistant gm within that team so like when he came out today and he said oh if jonathan kaminga was in the deal i would have been on the phone with joe lake saying yeah we're not doing that trade i don't think that's that's hypothetical i think that's a real thing that would have happened because i think draymond has that kind of equity with the owner like, I think he's openly come out and said, like, some of the guys they've drafted, Draymond's been in the draft room evaluating those guys or offering his opinion on those guys when that when those guys end up getting drafted. And so, like, uh, again, it, for me, it's funny because I was just like, why are you discussing this publicly yeah. about your own mm -hmm. teammates? Because I think that's crazy. But, you know, I, he is who he is. He's going to do what he does. And <laughs> he clearly, basketball-wise, has learned absolutely nothing from the therapy thing that, you know, the, the whatever BS. it is that Adam Silver made him go through. I think that guy's yeah, just, that. he's a funny, funny guy. Well, so. Yeah, my uh, my hope is that I'm like, I think people have written this guy off, and I think we tend to do this, Vinay. We write off players who were great so quickly on their yeah. first stick of decline, right? Their first inch of decline, we dip, we 
quickly want to throw him off a cliff. And I, I see that happening with Clay Thompson. Um, mm. And, you know, Clay, uh, I think he's a loyal guy. Vinay, I also think he's a prideful guy. And yeah, they, 100%. they just recently, they just recently benched him for Brandon Pajemski. You know, they, they just outright benched him their last game before the all-star break, which they won. They beat Utah on the road, but I mean, benching Clay, I think Clay had like 30 something in that game, 18 and the 18 and third. He's a guy I'd love to steal this summer. I don't know if it happens, but um, yeah. he's a guy that would just, again, it's a tangent, but I just love Clay Thompson. I think for a mid-level or whatever, if he's available, just I think he's a guy, to your point, I think Draymond's just much more immersed in the organization than Clay is somehow. It just it just feels that way from the outside to me, like just mm-hmm. in terms of like they would never, well, I mean, they benched Draymond, I guess, in the playoffs, but they spinned it as his idea. So I'm not sure like if that was a, <laughs> right, right, yeah. a real benching, right? He said he came into Steve Kerr's office and asked for the benching, which, sure. But, like, I don't think Clay went and said, start Brandon Pajemski over me. At least it hasn't been spun that way. Um, yeah. So I think that's an interesting kind of way to look at it, too. It's, it's all very fascinating. I think LeBron's free agency actually hasn't been as loud as I, you know, thought it would be. It's pending free agency because mm-hmm. um, the story is that they just don't think LeBron's going to turn down a 50-something million-dollar player option, which, again, which I think would be shocking to me, LeBron turning yeah. down a $50 million play. I, j- I just don't see that something that's happening. So I, I think that's why most people haven't put too much thought into it, Vinay, but I think that's for down the road. I think where this season concludes yeah. will kind of determine a lot of the route the team takes, right? If it's another, you know, Western Conference run or another successful playoff run, and, you know, some people define success as winning the championship only. I don't really define that for this season. I just, I think when you're a lower C, that's just you change your definition of success in that, in that, you know, yeah. in that case, but um, we'll see, we'll see how the season goes. It has been interesting to watch that. I'm, I'm kind of glad the trade deadline stuff is over, you know, having 3 million stories of what didn't happen. It was extremely frustrating to watch breaking news of stuff that didn't happen. It was a very strange, you know, very strange era of, uh, of uh, the Atlanta, reporting I think that's it was going Woj, on, right? Woj's tweet, the Atlanta Hawks will be keeping DeJounte Murray. I was like, did this require yeah. a tweet? You could just let the, he just kept, kept it moving. Like, it's so strange, but yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so, you know, last piece of um, Braun news, you know, I, I think that, that the whole trade, no trade, what's going on with all that, uh, you know, that that reached a, a peak with, with that Warrior story that came out. Um, and then, you know, right after this game, you know, the the McMenamin tweets out that LeBron is going to be having a procedure uh, on his ankle. Um, you know, that word procedure is always scary because we don't know what that means. Is that like cleaning up your ankle or is that like, you know, getting a massage on your ankle? Who knows what that means? Uh, but he's supposed to have a procedure um, and it may possibly keep him out of the matchup against uh, this upcoming matchup on Thursday. Uh, against the Warriors, I think it might be in uh, Golden State is, is where that game is going to be. So obviously the Lakers have had a bunch of a break. Um, there are some people rolling their eyes at the fact that LeBron was throwing down tomahawk dunks in the um, mm-hmm. All-Star game only for this announcement to come out, which look, if you need to get the procedure, he needs to get the procedure, whatever it is. It, and, and, you know, I think McMenamin's tweet specifically said he possibly may keep him out. Uh, so, I, I, mm-hmm. you know, I would I think if LeBron, you know, knowing the seating implications and all that sort of stuff, I think he might be interested. Um, and he, he'll probably try and play through whatever it is uh, and, and play in that game, hopefully. Um, but this Lakers team has shown that they can win without him. Um, you know, they, they did beat a Utah team that's tough to beat at home uh, without him in, in a very resounding fashion. Obviously, the Boston game, great example of, of, of a team win, even without 82 as well. I feel like this team is a little more equipped uh, with, with 
the, the rotation being a little bit more settled in case Braun is unable to make it done, but not to discount the Warriors. The Warriors are still a very good team uh, led by Steph. Playing so well. uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But, um, you know, I, Lakers guys still, we only have, like, we, I think we have less than 30 games left or we have like 32 games left or something like that. But like, we still have to be careful, be mindful of the injury bug and, and make sure that we keep our guys as healthy as possible. But look, Lakers are in a better position they are in the all-star break compared to where they were last year. Obviously the seeding, the actual seed that we're at isn't higher than where we were at last year uh, by very much. And we'd like to be higher, but there is, you know, if there's a glass half full take that I have in regards to this, there, if the Lakers go on a run, there are two teams in front of them uh, where they currently own the tiebreakers over those teams. I think it's new Orleans mm. and it's the Suns. We own, and I think they're six and seven, mm. I want to say, or they might be five and six. The, the Lakers own this, the, the tiebreakers of them. So if they manage to go on a run and they end up tying any of those teams, they'll own those tiebreakers uh, in, in the head-to-head matchup. So if they're kind of gearing up for this run now, the same way they did last season, um, they're in a position to to capitalize on some of those early wins that they, they, they were able to take care of in the season. So I'll be very interested to see how it goes. Hopefully, Lakers, you know, Braun is healthy and, and, and he's ready to go. But, you know, we're on to the second half of the season, Raj. Now, now it's it's go time. Sure. We got to stack these wins and, and and build some momentum. Uh, that, that's my last. Thing. What, what are we? What are you no, doing? for for sure. Well, just two things. Just on the LeBron yeah, yeah. might not but look. I'm gonna play until the twenty second, Renee, and I, and I'm I'm sorry. Like this is nothing against. I don't even think this is LeBron's fault. I don't know how yeah. this even goes out. It's just seeing like one hand dunks from like runway dunks, and then this the board comes out after the game. It's just it's it's strange. Chris, I'll yeah. put it nicely because yeah. I. Because I put things in, you know, nice boxes. I just, it, it's, it's, it's a strange report to, to come out, come out there, um, for sure. The chasing, the standing stuff. I just, I, I can't look at that again right now. And I, I feel like if we play well, if we're playing well, we handle our business. Enough teams will fall. There's just yeah. enough up and downs within a regular season where teams will start to fall. I think Sacramento is already starting a little bit of a downfall. They're still, I think, nine games above 500, but they've kind of slowed down their pace. Dallas as well is kind of. Uh, has played well since the trade deadline, but um, we'll see what where where they're at. Phoenix has played good basketball, so I just think like you handle your business, you win at a you know respectable rate. LeBron and AD stay healthy, the team starts to hopefully get one of their wings back, like one of Vando, Christie, Reddish, yeah. like are able to like get back and at least have some defensive force coming off the bench. Uh, I think that that can help this team, but uh, yeah, we're we're kind of I, like I still feel like you're in the point of a season and they've stayed above water enough where you're still kind of in your control, your destiny fate here. You're not the 13th seed having to, you know, climb up to nine right now. So you still in that, you know, in that place where you can kind of control your destiny with the, with the way you play. And it feels like they're, you know, like kind of poised to, to go on a bit of a run here. Um, so we'll see, but this is, you know, this is fun and they're starting to win now, which, which is nice. And the Dinwiddie edition has been a nice kind of just mm-hmm. fresh face to kind of throw on, to throw on things. And, Hopefully you're able to get banned. The Vanderbilt news also was a little murky. Like mm. some reports where it was season ending and some reports where it was, you know, not as bad as it seemed. I think the team just needs to go forward as if Vando and um, Gabe Vincent are just not a part of the final run here. I just, I think that needs to be the total team. Cause every, every post game, and you hear LeBron and AD say, you know, we need to get healthy. And I think that's just I, like, I, I think this yeah. is as healthy as you're going to, Kind of be. Mac Christie, I think, is going to return. I think Cam Regis is going to return. But other than that, I think this is your team. And I think this is a team yeah. you gotta you got to go forward with. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm with you. Did, did you have a second thing or did you say both things? 
I think you said you had that was two both. Yeah, the LeBron yeah, thing, and then the LeBron okay. thing, and then um, yeah, and then the just this, this going on the is, yeah. this season. Yes, sir. Yeah, so you know, all star break is done. We've got a lot of random news about LeBron that came out. You know, obviously with the Spencer Dinwiddie additions, we're good. The Lakers have built momentum going into the all star break. We hope that they get the practices in or they get the rest in to get their bodies right so that we can come out. Won't be shocked if we come out a little rusty, uh, you know, because of the long break. It's very expected, but hopefully we still come out with the win uh, against the Warriors and keep that three game, turn the three game winning streak into a four game winning streak. Um, but yeah, you know, that that's, I think everything we've covered, everything we want to cover so far, Raj. Um, and we'll get more into the basketball details uh, of the team as, uh, as we start looking through some of the data with the lineups, but as always for the folks that joined us tonight, we appreciate you. Uh, if you end up catching this on Spotify and Apple later, you can watch us in video format um, wherever you want um, on both of those platforms. I'll get that uploaded either tonight or tomorrow morning. But as always, whether you're listening to this now, joined in later, listening at the day, evening, whenever you listen to it, we hope you have a wonderful day. And if nothing else, we'll catch you in the next one. Take it easy. <laughs>